This is an ABC podcast. This is Roots and Shoots. Text on 0437 922 720 or call 1300 222 720. Uh, it is indeed. You are with Christine Layton statewide. Sabrina Hahn joining us next week. Um, I have Mark Tuchek in the studio as horticulturalist, founder of Tucker Bush, native edible plants. He also has a wholesale plant nursery, a water plant nursery, and he's been doing it all since 1983. G'day, Mark. Well, no, it sounds bad, doesn't it, when you say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Christine. <laughs> and you've come armed with six plants on each side. I'm so impressed. Um, never before have I seen Studio 600 converted to an actual garden. Well, I clearly don't know how radio works, so I brought in some sh- show-and-tell stuff, you know, for this morning. <laughs> Just to jazz up the place. Oh, this would be a Facebook Live uh, bonanza. They've they've got a sea theme, which I know is a bit strange for plants, but we'll explain that all later and describe them as best we can. Uh, but release the hounds. Give us a call. Thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty. Thirteen hundred. Triple two seven twenty. If you've got a call for Mark, and I must just quickly acknowledge we had some texts from the last hour from ABC Perth. Um, I did. Uh, I had. Jack Jones from Southern Suns in asked him if I could sing harmony to Heart in Danger and he kindly obliged. Uh, thank you, Barb and Valda. Although Rocco said you can redeem yourself by playing the original. What a shame we've got a whole hour of gardening. I would play it again, though. It's a good song, isn't it, Mark? No, gardening's good stuff. So it's not a shame it's gardening time. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was impressive. <laughs> Very good. All right, let's start with some tech. 0437922720 is the number. Uh, we've got one here from Barb in City Beach who said... This just came up in my garden. Any ideas what it is as there is nothing similar nearby and it's got nice glossy green leaves with pronounced veins and little purple flowers. Oh, pronounced veins. You're sounding like a bit of a horticulturist. Oh, is that a thing? Have you been hanging around Sabrina a bit? <laughs> I try as much as I can. There we go. Oh, well, it's actually like a, it's a seedling form of a vinca and there are some perennial forms which are ground covers. So the vincas that you normally associate with little annuals that pop up and look colourful during the warm weather, there are prostrate versions which are perennial, but uh, this one's got a little bit of a double flower, so that's a bit more unusual, so it's probably a bit of a keeper. Double flower? Yeah, see the flowers there, just uh, purple, yeah. slightly um, different from the, the single vinca flowers. Oh, mm. interesting. Good pick up. 1300 I've got Colin on the line from Morley. Good morning, Colin. Good morning. Good morning, Colin. Good morning, mate. Um, my query is I, I've grown a uh, pink lady apple from seed. <laughs> and uh, it's about oh, 18 inches or more high. Yep. And uh, I shifted it out in the sun the other day and I noticed after a couple of days there was uh, sort of shiny dots on the leaves and the top leaves have curled. And when you wipe your finger underneath it, it's sticky. Oh. oh, dear, that doesn't sound good. It uh, doesn't sound good. <laughs> the leaves are sort this just the, the new leaves just curled. Yep. Actually, there were a couple of ladybirds under it the other day. Right. So I'm presuming that uh, it's a, either a, a wog attacking it or... Well, you're on the money because that's a bit of a sign that the, um, the ladybug's there because... They're usually predators of sap-sucking pests. Ah. So you've got a little sap-sucking mite in there or an aphid or something like that, which is sucking the life out of your, the new growth of your apple tree. Sorry to rain on your parade with the, the apple growing from seed, but <laughs> it, it's not going to come out probably exactly the same as a pink lady because anything from seed is propagated sexually. 
So you've got the same characteristics as the parent, but you, you turn out a little bit different. Really? Yeah. Oh, so it could be a good thing. Yep. It could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing, but there's a bit of a wait for seeded plants, so you're going to be waiting a few years. Yeah, how long did it take you, Colin? It was purely uh, curiosity because we, we share an apple every day and one of the seeds that I took out had already uh, started growing. So I just stuck it in a pot and away it went. Right, there we go. You, you might end up with a, a new uh, pink-red lady or something <laughs> like that. Sorry. Very good. Uh, thanks for the call, Colin. 1300 222 Shirley is in Geraldton. Hey, Shirley. Oh, how are you going? Good. Um, what I wanted to know is about my aspidistra. Yes. It's in the patio, um, well lit. But the leaves half are brown and half are green, and they, they seem to be browning off more all the time. Right. Well, Shelley, you're doing a good job because aspidistras are called the cast iron plant, and if you're killing it, a cast iron plant, <laughs> you're, you're my kind of woman. <laughs> Very right. good. That makes me feel good. <laughs> oh, there we go. Well, um, easy fix. Has it been is it in the pot long or how long have you had it? Yeah, it's been in there for a few years. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd just suggest uh, repotting it into some fresh potting mix yeah. and just chopping off those dead brown yeah, leaves. Cut, yeah, cut the lot off. Like, even the green ones aren't healthy looking. Well, you can do that and they'll, they will shoot up new leaves. But if you yeah. to do that, probably best going into the warm weather, probably come springtime. But if you repot it now, I think if you just chop, chop off the brown leaves and leave the green ones, then they'll come good. Should they be outside or inside? What do, what do you reckon is the best? Like, I had one pot outside and it was doing well, so I bought it in and now it's not doing so well. Okay, so you, if you're going to have it outside, it has to be in a shaded spot. So yeah, no, no, the shade. Yeah. Yep, no full sun. Yep. Really, with indoor plants, there's no such thing as an indoor plant. It's just we... we we coerce them indoors. Oh, that makes sense because they weren't born indoors. No, out, oh, okay. out, out in the wild there's, there's no indoors. But mm. um, it's just that if you get the conditions right and, and they like it a bit more humid, they don't like sitting in a, a source of water. So you can you know, do all those things. But if you give them a spell, get two, and then you can just rotate them yeah. and just swap them over indoors. Yeah, that's out. what I've got, the two. And, no. um, yeah, one's gone right off. Thanks very much for that. I'll repot it. Repot oh, it. Good luck, Shirley. Yep. 1300 Give us a call to speak to Mark Tuchek. He's in the studios with us until 10. Why are they called the cast iron plant? Uh, well, they used to go in, I think, cast iron urns back in the early days and uh, they were very fashionable as um, indoor plants then. And so ah. they've all come back, you know. Everything goes in cycles. So yeah. Cast iron plants are back in. Interesting. Uh, Gail is in Warwick. Good morning, Gail. Oh, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, my question is about the golden privet. So I've put in in my son's um, house in the backyard in a contained garden, I've put in about eight golden privets. And I had a conversation just a couple of days ago with a friend of mine who told me that the root system of the golden privet is actually um, very invasive and in actual fact over east they are a noxious weed, they're listed. Now the WA Ag Department don't have the golden privet listed as a weed or as a problem in WA. So my question is, um, do I need to remove these or will these be fine? I'm just, I've put them in to hedge them. Right, okay, for a start... Molly's made a bit of a spelling mistake. That's actually golden privet with a P. Oh, 
I was trying to Google image it because I didn't know what it was and I'm getting um, vases, right? No, that's okay. Just making it really hard for me this morning. Molly, you and I are learning. That's okay. Remember, I'm the beginner here. (laughs) Okay, so the the, the golden privets, um, they belong to the privet family, but the... The straight green forms, they are listed as weeds in other states. The golden one, because it's variegated, isn't as vigorous, but it does still flower. And uh, the invasive roots aren't really the the, the weed problem. It's really the fact that they will seed and the birds take them off elsewhere. The golden one isn't really a problem here in WA. Um, It's not listed as a weed, so it's okay to grow. Invasive roots, they, they are quite competitive, so planting other things around them. That's a nice way to put it. Competitive, yeah. yes. Uh, so if you're planting other plants, they'll, you know, they'll take the water and nutrients away from other plants. Mm. Tend to make the soil a bit water repellent, but excellent hedging plant, great plant, so I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't take them out. Okay. Does oh, that answer great. your question, thank Gail? You. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for your time. 1300 222720. You're welcome, Gail. Uh, let's go to Lisa, who's in Cranbrook. Good morning, Lisa. Morning. Morning. Uh, I've got a, um, I bought a midnight beauty about a, a month ago, and the leaves keep falling off it. Mm. So, midnight beauty, what, as an indoor plant? Or... Yes. Okay. And you've got it in a pot? Yes. And inside. Inside? Okay. So, the fact that the, the leaves are falling off. It's it's suffered a bit of a a shock to its conditions. So it's either falling off because of either too much water or not enough water. So have you got a saucer underneath it or? Yes. Is there any water in the saucer? When I water it, there is. What what kind of regime do you have for feeding, Lisa? Do you you give it lots of water? Uh, About every three or four days, I'll I'll give it about a litre of water. What do you I, reckon, Mark? I reckon that's probably too much, actually. Too kind okay. you are. Yeah, okay. I'd say you if the potting mix is constantly damp, it needs to be um, moist but not wet. And okay. it actually also would benefit from a little misting. So inside the house, the air is less humid and uh, these indoor plants prefer the humidity. So if you just squirt it with a little misting water gun, that would probably keep it um, happier rather than actually watering it in the pot. Good, Good stuff. Thanks, Lisa. 1300 720. Let's do a text or two. Gary said, can you tell me what this plant is? And I'm pretty sure Gary texted us last week and we didn't get to it. Well, it looks kind of palm-like. Um, what is it? Well, yeah, you're close. Yeah. Uh, it's a crinium lily. So it's got big uh, palm-like um, sword-shaped leaves that come out. And it actually does develop a nice little white perfume flower. Oh. So, yeah, quite desirable, slow growing, but, um, yeah, it belongs to the lily family. It's a crinium. Okay, that could be coming for you. Gary Janner said, hi, Mark, how do I look after my blueberry over winter, growing in a pot which has fruited all summer? Right, uh, very lucky. So uh, different blueberries do different things. Some of them are deciduous, some of them are sedu- semi-deciduous, so... If yours is dropping all its leaves, I probably wouldn't freak out too much um, going into this um, autumn weather. Really, probably in a pot, water it less during winter. Um, Wait for spring. Use a general all-purpose fertiliser. Just be careful. You don't want to use anything too soluble in a pot because you can run the risk of burning it. But uh, blueberries are pretty easy in pots, so they're good. Good stuff. Uh, It's a quarter past nine on ABC Perth. I'm joined by Mark Tuchek. 
horticulturalist founder of Tucker Bush, uh, and he's into his nurseries as well, as I'm sure you know. Give us a call, 1300 720. Susie is in Williton. Good morning, Susie. Good morning. Um, just a quick question about growing figs in pots. Mm. I have um, a few around my garden. Uh, I think they are black genoa and brown turkey. And I recently discovered that the roots have gone through the hole in the bottom and the water therefore isn't sinking through. I realised this because I looked in the pot and I saw um, a pool of water and lots of white fat bugs crawling up mm. from, the, from the soil. Right, okay. So two questions. Can I take the fig out, even though it's quite large, and cut the root ball back, and what would the bug be? Well, you certainly can do that, and uh, figs are best in large pots unless you've got a big area because the roots are a bit invasive. So um, I'd go into a fairly large pot, you know, like wine barrel size or yes. something yeah, bigger. Um, you can cut the roots quite easily, so it won't upset it. Use a good quality potting mix in there. Not sure what the bugs are, but if you're kind of flooding them, probably any bugs in the, the pots are just scrambling out because they're getting drowned. Yeah. Well, is there some kind of fig leaf beetle? There is, but I would be surprised if it's actually in the soil. Okay. Um, what is the fig leaf beetle? Uh, yeah, it gets in there. It really chews the leaves more than the, the roots and things like that. But okay, yeah. I probably wouldn't worry about it, you okay. know, the, the odd bug, um, unless your, your plant's suffering. But because its roots got into the, uh, the ground, it's actually probably having a good time. So. Yep. And, and mixing it, um, cutting them back, how much can I cut off? Can I cut a half of the root ball off? Or? Well, you can be quite severe, especially in winter when they go dormant. Um, yep. But as long as you use a good quality potting mix, that's the main thing. So, yeah, you can actually give it a bit of a hack. Excellent. Thank you very much. Always. Very good. Thank you, Susie. 1300 720. Uh, Jim is in Hilton and has a question about Wick Gardens. Is that right, Jim? That's right, yeah. Tell Thanks, us. Hey, Nicole. G'day, Mark. Hello, Jim. Yeah, I'm just starting to uh, build a Wick Garden. I got onto it first by seeing them on the uh, Gardening Australia and I've been looking at the uh, podcast and that. But um, What is a Wick know, Garden, if, if I can ask, for those of us who don't know? Okay. <coughs> Named after John Wick, you know, from the movie. No, I'm talking. Okay. <laughs> I was going to believe you. I know. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so, is it is it is it got a special drainage system? How does it work? Well, it's like a wicking garden. So the idea is that uh, uh, you've got a water reservoir underneath, and that the water's drawn up as the roots require them. So, gotcha. Is yours? Does yours recycle water? Um, uh, well, I'm just uh, just in the process of building. Uh, I've got the uh, the the. Um, uh, I forget what they call the IBC containers. Yes. And I've got the uh, scoria in the bottom. Yep. And then, uh, then I've got a layer of the um, the weed mesh. So should I put, uh, I've seen online, should put uh, a layer of cane mulch. Is that a good idea? And also I'd like to know what's the best kind of, and I need to go and get trailer loads of this stuff. Uh, I don't have my own compost, but what's the best kind of soil to use on top? Okay, so the the, yeah, the mulch really goes on top of the surface. Um, yeah. Still between those layers, you can use a uh, a compost or even a, a potting mix if it's in a contained area. But yeah. the, the mixes, are, you need a good quality one and that's um, friable because they actually, through their wicking action, like the water is just raised up through the soil profile yeah. through capillary action. Sure. So I would go to a reputable um, soil dealer and tell yeah. them what, what, what you're after because yeah. um, using a, like a compost or something that you manufacture yourself out of the ground, that stuff better in the ground than in a, like a wicking bed. Right. What about the mushroom compost? Is that 
No, I not. I wouldn't use that in a in a controlled environment as well. So uh, mushroom compost better in the ground. Uh, really, you're looking at a, merely really a potting mix or a friable soil mix rather than a, a compost itself because it'll just wet down too much. All right. Thanks for the question, Jim. 1300 720. Andrew is in yelling up. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning and good morning to you, Mark. You're doing a great job. Andrew. Sabrina's in trouble, mate. <laughs> <laughs> if, she pulls, if she pulls her hamstring, mate, you're, she... Well, she doesn't bring in 12 pot plants, so he's already been quite competitive. I've got to work on my laugh and also my, my wine drinking, I think so. <laughs> caviar magnolia isn't really a true magnolia. Oh, isn't it? It's actually a machalia. So they call them, the machalias are called port wine magnolias because they've got little white and uh, perfume flowers. So they smell like port wine magnolia. A lot of people think they smell, well, I reckon they smell like juicy fruit bubblegum. Oh, yeah. And they smell at dust too. So they're really fascinating because they don't smell during the day, but as dust falls and at night, they sometimes they're called lady of the night as well. Oh, Which is not so not such a good name, but yep, yep. Um, so the um, the one that you've got is a, a newer variety. Uh, it grows to about three, you've got it in the ground or in a pot. Uh, it's in the ground, Mark. It's about three meters now. I was thinking that's about as high as it's going to get. Is that right? That's it. Yeah, I would have said three meters. And really, all you need to do is just a light trim. You don't need to prune it to induce flowers or anything like that. They like a slightly acidic soil, so don't use any lime around it. But um, if it's three metres tall, it's obviously happy and you're doing a good job. Fantastic. I'll keep up the good work, mate. I'll take that on board. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Um, my first shift with Sabrina Hahn on, on uh, <laughs> ABC Perth and WA going across the whole state. I said Mangolias. Uh, oh. my, my, yeah, my, not because I didn't know, just because I, for some reason my brain froze. I saw my boss walking up the stairs. I thought, what is she here for and have I done something wrong? Which is just a strange response. I um, thought maybe Molly spelt it wrong. In the, in the <laughs> no, couldn't. No? No, it wasn't Molly. <laughs> and she said, hey, in my earphones. No, no, she's all over Oh, 1300 triple two, 720 if you have a question for Mark. Jackson is in Dunkraig. Hey, Jackson. Hey, how you going, guys? Good. good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I've got a quick question for you. I uh, moved into a new place probably about two years ago. Uh, they had a lemon tree in a pot plant. Uh, I've got no idea whether it's born lemons before or not, but it was about six foot tall. Um, I've tried transplanting it, that was about 18 months ago, and it's grown uh, quite a bit, probably about eight foot tall now, but I still haven't seen any lemons on it, and I wasn't sure if... Uh, I had a friend say, you know, you can get dormant lemon trees. I don't know if he was pulling me on or... Or if I'm just being a bit impatient, what do you reckon? Yeah, no, he's having a go at you. So uh, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no such thing as a dormant lemon. But um, of course, if you you know bugger it up and you plant it, so maybe. But does it look healthy enough? Is it growing really well? Does it look lush and uh, green? I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. I've probably neglected it a bit the last two months. Ah, uh, Jackson. Get a, bit, get a bit frustrated, but I don't know. That was twelve months of waiting and still no progress. So I could definitely give it a bit more love, but. Right. Okay. So the first thing I would check is that when you planted it, that, that you didn't actually cover up the, the, the trunk. You didn't bury the trunk too deep because okay. if they are planted too deep, they can get collar rot, which will stunt their growth. Um, okay. What did you put in the soil it, underneath? It is, 
it is growing quite, like it's getting height on it and it's kind of branching out, but there's just no fruit coming through. That's why I was kind of curious. And I've seen small, much smaller trees with a lot of lemons on them that sort of get frustrated. Uh. Yeah, well, true. There's two things. Uh, either when they're firstly transplanted, they can put their energy into growth at the expense of flowers. Yep. Or if you haven't quite got the soil right or the fertilising right, um, okay. a little bit of TLC, a good organic fertiliser around it. You can still fertilise it now. The earth is still warm. Best okay. to fertilise it comes spring again. But, um, yeah, if... Um, it's just trolling you, Jackson. I think that's I know, what's that's happening. What I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking that. Maybe it's not even a lemon tree. I might be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's well. probably a petunia. It's showing off. That's it. <laughs> uh, well, give, give, right, give it some TLC good. and let us know how you go. All right. Cheers, guys. See you, Jackson. 1300 Let's see what Jean from Bustleton has to say. Good morning, Jean. Hello, Jean. Oh, nope. That's my fault because Jean is on this one. Ta-da. Hello, Jean. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, yes, Look, I'm just inquiring. I've got this um, ficus. Ficus, okay. Ficus midnight beauty. Yes. It's been in the pot since uh, 2000. It's 19 years. Right. Good one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I'm. Can I plant it out into the garden? Right. Okay. So the, all the ficus tend to have. Very good, effective root system. So if you were going to plant it in the garden, you really need your garden to be the size of a park or if you've got a farm or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, because it'll grow into a big tree eventually and and the roots will be kind of upsetting the neighbours and things like that. So... I see. So the root, the root system goes all over the garden, doesn't it? They, they do, yes. And no, even ca- no that one... No going down. No, no, they've got... Um, oh, well, adventitious roots which go searching for water so they spread further than their canopy so if you imagine a tree however wide the tree is on above if you take a line down to the ground that's called the drip line and some most trees have roots in the drip line so underneath the tree so however wide the tree goes is however far the roots go but ficus their roots spread further than the drip line right well it's just as well well, I found you. Have you got the room for it, or are you thinking not so much, no, Jane? No, well, it's just that it's been in the pot for so uh, long that I thought I'd plant it out in the garden. No, we've kept it in the, in the pot that long, so I'd say yeah. you can keep it longer. Well, I, I don't know where its roots are. I mean, it, it looks well. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably curled up in a bowl. Probably go nuts if you well, let it out. Yes. Can of I sardines. Mean, this pot is not as big as a uh, half wine barrel. Oh. It's a reasonable size pot, but it's not the size as big as a half wine barrel. How, do you, how long do you think? All, all that number of years, 19 years, and uh, it, the trunk's quite big. Well, because you've, you've uh, kept it contained, it's really yeah. like a, a large bonsai, if you like. So because you've been giving it water and fertiliser, the roots are really just there to hold the plant up, and it's yeah. de- just dependent on you. So you're doing a good job. I'd oh, le- I love- leave it in the pot. All right, good stuff. Thank you, Jean. 1300 Anne is in Hopeton. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. Morning. Hi. I've got a, a five-year-old, rather unhappy Tahitian lime in a pot. Um, I was looking to repot it and wondered what sort of soil and also what sort of light aspect it should have, ideally. Okay. So the Tahitian limes, really, uh, they're one of the citrus that uh, prefers it warm and humid. So um, 
doesn't like being cold and doesn't like having cold, wet feet and things like that. Uh, in a potting mix, it's really important to use a good quality potting mix. You can get one that's an Australian premium potting mix. It's got a, a white um, box with um, red ticks. No, sorry, it's a red box with white ticks. There we go. And if you use a good quality potting mix like that, you don't need to add anything to it. A lot of people make the mistake of adding sheet manure and compost and all these other things, and they really um, affect the, the proportions that it's made in the first place. Use a good quality potting mix, plant it at the same level, and it'll be happy. Have you been adding spice to it, Anne, or have you? I have, yes. Yeah. Yes, I've been giving it some of that, um, you know, that slow-release citrus fertiliser and stuff, trying to make it happy. It did get a very bad dose of scale during the summer. It's got over that, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it's still not really happy. The leaves have got a little bit of curl on the end. Yeah, so really full sun for it. Um, The curl could be citrus leaf miner that attacks the new growth. The scale, scale and bugs and pests tend to attack plants that are unhappy in the first place. Uh, So just like you and I, if we don't exercise, don't eat right. Bad immune system. Then we catch a cold. Um, So it's a bit like that for plants as well. So give it a good... um, Repot into some fresh potting mix, put it in the sun, and it'll be happy. Very good. 1300 222 720. We'll take one more before we do your song request, as I believe we should, because <laughs> Sabrina gets to dance for three minutes at the halfway mark. Lots of calls from the Great Southern today. Uh, Jane's in Kendanup. Hey, Jane. Hey, how are you going? Good. Oh, good. Okay. Um, I want to know why proteas don't like water. Right. Well, they do. They just don't like heaps of it um so proteas have originated well from south africa so mm-hmm. back in the in the days when our continents were all joined together they, they have grown from similar environments so they belong to the same family as our grevilleas and banksias our grevilleas and banksias grow in really well-drained soil so if you're in a, a heavy soil that gets plenty of water and things like that they don't like it so a good drainage um, is really important and um, they don't need any fertiliser, really. So people tend to kill them with kindness, if you like, the proteas. Okay. Uh, how so many have you got, Jane? What's your situation? I've got about six, I suppose. Yeah. But the, the, what I'm trying to work out is, you know, most plants need water. So how does, it, how, does the, how does it grow without water, if you know what I mean? Like, what are the roots doing? Like, how does the nutrition get there? Right. Well, they, uh, proteas have proteaceae roots. They've got their own very effective root system, which is super effective in, in taking you know, nutrients out of the soil. So that's right. why they're very prone to uh, phosphorus. Like phosphorus in fertilisers will kill them off really quick smart. Um, I've, got, I've got a protein in my garden. It gets watered twice a week. It gets a little bit of slow-release fertiliser and that's it. Yeah, right. That's, yeah, these ones are babies, you know, like they've only been in probably six or eight weeks, so I was watering them every second day to establish. Probably every second day was a bit much, but certainly they need, whenever you're transplanting something, uh, you do need to give it a bit of extra water to get it established. So every second day was probably a bit bit of a helicopter parent type thing, situation. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, if the soil isn't drying out, and this time of the year, um, you know, you've got the cool mornings and things like that, it's not drying out as quickly. So, you know, once or twice a week would be enough at this stage. Um, But then, you know, once they're established, hardly anything. All right. Thanks, Jane. 
1300 We'll come to your calls and texts after Mark's song request. Now, you have brought in a number of pot plants for us this morning and we'll talk about those after the song. Sure. Uh, I believe the song fits the theme, though. Yes. Well, I thought I'd, uh, sticking with the, the uh, beachy theme, I've uh, selected uh, Echo Beach with uh, Martha and the Muffins. Here it is. On ABC Perth, it is 27 minutes to 10. Give us a call, 1300-222-720. Mark Tuchek in the studios. Martha and the Muffins. That's Mark Tuchek's song choice uh, for Roots and Shoots this morning. Our guest, Sabrina Hahn, will be back next weekend. We're broadcasting from Manning Markets. And you brought in a series of pot plants for us, yes. uh, Mark, and they've got a sea theme. Now, uh, we'll do our best to describe them, but the three of the coloured ones that are closest to us... Are, Is that what... These, do you, you want to pick these? Yeah, I think so, because they're just gorgeous. They've got these velvety, flute-like, coral-shaped flowers. Well, it's really interesting because they say plants, um, people are like plants and plants are like the people that they select. So this is a bit unusual because this one's called Twisted. These are Twisted Celosias. Is this any reflection on you, <laughs> Definitely. Oh, there we yeah, go. Yeah, look, we've just met, but you You had all it. these plants to pick and you picked you pick the, tw- the twisted ones. Although I like the yolk as well. Do you? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, so we can talk about that too. But what, what makes these so special? Well, these are celosias and these are... Celosias are normally annual-type plants, and but these ones are actually uh, perennial, so you can get a, a couple of years out of them. But with the flowers on these, they've got like fasciated flowers, which means that they've got these really unusual coral-shaped flowers, really bright colours. This one's a hot pink, yellow, and we've got a a, a purple one there. So rich. But, um, yeah, just really unusual. Great in a pot. Mm. Only grow to about 30 or 40 centimetres. Take full sun. Uh, they like the heat. And really, they take full sun. They look a bit delicate, but no, they're they, yeah, they're quite, quite tough. Hardy. Yeah, we've got. Yeah, right. yeah, and uh, how often do they flower? Well, they flower all through the warm weather, so mm-hmm. from spring, summer, and then you just take off the old flowers, and a lot of them will just shrivel off and just drop off, and give them a prune, a little bit of a liquid fertilizer to keep them going because they flower so much. They they draw on the fertilizer. They look so fairy. They're the kind of flowers that I could picture kids wanting to yeah. to touch all the time. Great for the kids. So they're, they're yeah. celosias called twisted, twisted Great. celosias. Right. So that ties in with the sea theme because it looks a bit like coral. They look like coral, don't they? Yeah, very yeah. nice. Um, let's do some text and then we'll go to Christine from Albany who's been waiting patiently on the line. Uh, this one from Michael in Woodvale. So your neck of the woods, Mark. Yes. And thank you for the compliment about my singing. He said uh, the soil is fairly sandy in Woodvale. Two quick questions. I have a self-seeded fig tree, probably from store-bought dried fig scrap buried in my garden that stood about 15 centimetres tall for several years. It's taken off with several branches or trunks about 1.5 metres tall. It's been the fence and limestone block retaining wall that's only 50 centimetres wide. Will it ever amount to anything? Should I let it continue to grow or is it a threat to my garden? Well, it's a bit of a threat to your wall. Only 50 centimetres space for a fig tree, like we said before, is really not much. Uh, Woodvale, yeah, sandy soils. Um, uh, I'm from Woodvale and the soil is very hydrophobic. So this time of the year, uh, it's really important for if you're in the coastal sandy flats anyway, not just Woodvale, to put a, a wetting agent on. It's probably now just got its roots down into getting a bit more moisture. It will get big. Uh, if it's grown from seed again, it could be good, it could be bad. 
uh, most of the figs that you buy are either cut and grown, but um, yeah, a bit of a gamble. So okay, and then he said, "Can you strike a frangipani cutting that's about ten centimeters across?" Across or long? Oh, so yeah, you can. So it's just like taking a, a massive great big cutting. Uh, you'll have to support it with some stakes and things like that. But uh, really, unfortunately, best thing to do would be to do that going into the warm weather, not this time of the year. Okay, Christine's in Albany. Thanks for waiting, Christine. How are you going? Going <laughs> well, thanks, Christine. <laughs> that's good. What do you got for us this morning? A question about onion weed. Yes, we have moved house, which is all well and good, but we now have a garden that is absolutely full of onion weed and my Mm. friends are telling me it's impossible to get rid of. So I'm hoping someone is going to tell me it's not impossible. (laughs) Tell us the good news, Mark. No, you've rung the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, onion weed is a pain because onion weed just propagates from many different areas it it self seeds it's got little bulbs little um little bulblets underneath the ground so when you pull it out you leave the little bulblets in the ground and they just mm-hmm. reshoot as well uh yeah if, if you certainly let it it's, if it's been flowering and seeding for all this time you have got one mission on your hands unfortunately well we thought that we had removed it bulbs and all we went right through the garden thought we had sieved every known piece of onion weed out, bulbs and all, but it's all come back a second time just as bad. Okay. Well, if you're vigilant and you don't let it get to flowering and seeding stage, eventually those little bulbs will germinate and you can keep removing those. Uh, There are herbicides which you could spray. um, Desperate, yeah. Yeah, if you're desperate, but uh, persistence... And uh, observation and good luck. <laughs> well, um, Mark, I'm sorry, but that's not the answer. It's not the answer. Right? <laughs> oh, no, leave, so herbicide maybe. Leave that question for Sabrina and we'll just see what she says. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks for you. the call, Christine. Marty is in Geraldton. Good morning, Marty. Uh, good morning, guys. Hey, uh, Mark, a while ago, Sabrina was asked a question about ponytails and when they... From what, when you first put them in the ground, when they flowered, pretty sure she said somewhere between twenty and twenty-five years. Would that be correct? Well, some of them do take quite a long time. Like um, I've got a mature ponytail at home, and it must be, yeah, at least twenty years old, and it has flowered. Um, and the the flowering is quite unusual on them too, because they they tend to do it um, not every year, obviously, but um, they will do it at certain. Uh, weather conditions, so all yeah. of a sudden, yeah, the weather conditions will be right, and for the, some of the older ponytails, they'll all flower together. Yeah, yeah well, sorry, mate, My, I've got uh, a couple of questions on top of that. Um, I've moved into a property, would have been all five years ago, it's got a, uh, we've got a three metery there, and that question came up, and I was looking at it one at that morning, sitting there, I was looking at it, I thought, oh, I wonder if it will flower, and it did flower uh, well, three years ago, and every year, well, this is its third flowering since its initial flower. Yep, so what will happen is that flowering spike will, will usually die off and it'll start to shoot from other areas of the ponytail. So either you'll get it starting to branch up the top or you'll get new shoots coming out of the bulb. So, um, yeah, and just enjoy it. All right, we've got to get to some more calls. Thank you, Marty. Uh, Malcolm is in Carnarvon and might have some advice with regard to onion weed. Hey, Malcolm. G'day. 
Um, in New Zealand, how we used to get rid of that stuff in New Zealand is um, get a bucket of rice and uh, salt, salt water, real salty, salty water, and soak the rice in the water for about a week and then rake it all through the ground. Really? And then the, the, uh, the uh, roots will come up and grab the salt and die straight away. Just at the surface? Yep, just, just even if you even rotary hoe up the ground, you, you know, where where the worst area is, and then put the uh, rice, rake it in there so it goes into the ground. Right. And the roots will come up. All the new growth will go for those salty uh, rice, rice, uh, rice and that, and they'll die. That's okay. a really interesting tip, yeah. Why, why would that work, um, Mark? What's the thinking behind it? Well, my first reaction was if... Um, it was salt. It, it would, it would you know, bugger up. Oh. Oops. Thanks, Malcolm. He's done a, he's done a runner. Um, I thought if it was a bit too salty, they would start to, you know, put too much salt in the soil. But if they're actually just in the rice, you know, there might be a bit of um, a theory to it. So yeah, that's right. really interesting. People okay. should try that. Christine in Albany. So soak, yeah. soak the rice in salty water, really salty water for a week, then rake it in. There we go. Interesting. All right. Mm. James is in Kawaram up. Good morning, James. Good morning, guys. Hi, James. Hey, um, probably a bit of a, a basic question. We've got a couple of um, bare-rooted deciduous that we planted last season. We've got a new building, Kawaram up. Uh, so we've got some silver birch and a trident maple. And we're just a bit bored floating around the new build looking for jobs to do. And we're thinking about <laughs> giving them some food. But they're obviously changing season. Is it a bad time to sort of chuck some uh, manure and stuff around them and try and build them up a little bit? Because they're obviously all planted in yellow building sand. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, wrong time to fertilise, but always a good time to condition the soil, which is different than fertilising. So if um, you want to improve the soil, you can always do that. So compost and mulch and things like that is always beneficial. But fertiliser, I'd wait till spring. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yep. no worries. Um, and is that the same? We've got a little citrus tree as well, um, a little lemon. Well, yeah, citrus... Um, because they're evergreen, you can actually fertilise them a little bit and often rather than, you know, but still spring because that's when they start to put out their um, the new growth and things like that. So um, I'd still wait till spring. All right. 1300 720. Thank you, James. Uh, a few coming in on the text line. John from Denmark said, can you help me identify this fungi? Um, and it's, wow, I don't know how to describe that. Um, it's almost like 26 mushrooms uh, all trying to make a circle and they've squished in together and you can see their little hats. That's not helpful at <laughs> well, all, is it, right. to, the, to those of you in the car or listening at home? But um... And I'm not going to be helpful either because <laughs> I've never seen that before. <laughs> there are, if um, uh, John's on Facebook, there is a, a Facebook page for uh, fungi of Western Australia and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's where all the, the mad hatter fungi people hang out mm. and they can identify things like that. But, it almost uh, looks like a hat for the races, doesn't it? Something that a milliner would come up with. You'd be popular <laughs> if you wore yeah. something like that. <laughs> We've got 13 minutes of Mark 2 check left. Um, Claire has said we have a very large lily pilly tree. Um, if we have pruned it, can we take a good amount? of the top of the tree without damaging it. Sure. Lily pillies are very forgiving. Uh, they take to pruning um, very easily, so you can just hack away. Go for it. All right. Don is in Albany, and I can see onions written on the screen. In what context, Don? What's your question? 
how are you? Hi, good, good done. Uh, yeah, I uh, grew, or I grow onions pr- pretty well every year. A couple of years, uh, usually grow them in a the seed box and, and plant them out when they've got a bit of size about them. Um, anyway, uh, over the last couple of years, the the seed, uh, the uh, uh, onions grow up to, you know, reasonable size. Um, pick them, hang them to dry, come to use them, and uh, when when you uh, peel them back, they've formed like a Siamese, two, two bulbs. Mm. What's causing that? Have you got any ideas? I've seen that. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so in within the onion itself, you, they're kind of split into like two onions, yeah. if you like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, sometimes you get that, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, sometimes as the... Uh, the onion's developing if you, it's been injured or if it's uh, been attacked. Uh, it can react that way. Um, really probably nothing you can do about it, but, um, yeah, can't just, offer anything more than that. Just a bit more to throw in the bin at the end. Thank you, Don. Um, Christine from Albany said thank you to Malcolm from Carnarvon for the tip on the onion weed and on the text line. Somebody said Sabrina says to eat the onion weed. Great, in salads. Well, it is oniony, so you can. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Uh, 1300 Terry is in Dianella and joins us on the line. Hello, Terry. Good morning, all. Good morning. Hello. Uh, just a... Uh, a thought process in relation to um, growing rosemary bush from cuttings. Yes. Uh, I've done the strip, got the good propagating sort of soil, uh, put them in good water, put the plastic bag on top. Um, just how long do I have to try to keep this going? Because uh, it looks like I'm, the tops are turning black. So obviously it's a, a KIA system that I've developed, I think. Um that's not working properly. Right. So with when you're taking cuttings, uh, because you're removing uh, the root source to keep the plant, you need to keep them humid. So they need to be prevented from losing moisture through their leaves. Okay. So um, we don't take, with uh, rosemary, we don't really take the soft bit right at the tip. So it's just a little bit further down. So if you look at the, the wood, as the, the, the colour changes from kind of green to brown... That's where we take the uh, rosemary cuttings. And the idea is you need to keep them warm. So uh, like bottom heat and misted so they don't lose moisture through their leaves. And you can even use a bit of rooting hormone powder to help initiate roots as well. Okay. I'll start again, I think. Good eye. Thank you, Terry. Um, lots of texts coming in about onion weed and Good. obviously a lot of knowledge out there. Both Dwayne and Trev have said the same thing in different language. It's a sign of uh, phosphorus deficiency in the soil. Trev has said if you fertilise soils, this will help. And this from Jenny who said, cut the leaves off at ground level and every time it keeps coming up, cut it back at ground level. This will eventually stress the plant out and it will die. So similar to what you said, or you can wipe the chemical glean over the green leaves with gloves on and that too will kill the weeds. So it sounds like there's been a few battles out there. Sure. Yeah, I mean, every time it's developing leaves, it's photosynthesizing, it's uh, helping produce energy to store in the bulbs. So if you're removing the leaves, it has to run out of energy by using up the, the bulb reserves. Mm-hmm. And so... Wiping out the leaves will certainly fix them up. Very good. Long term. Pauline on the text line, should I prune our pear trees now or wait until winter? Uh, probably wait. Um, 
you've got to wait till the sap's completely finished flowing. Um, so wait till winter. Give it a good uh, copper base spray as well too for pear trees. So, yeah, wait now. All right. Uh, Lynn is in Glen Forest. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. Morning. I've, I've got a question about rhubarb. I've been growing rhubarb in my wicking bed, but it hasn't gone red. So they've got bigger and bigger and their stems. So I cut them yesterday and I cooked them just to see. I hope I wasn't going to kill myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you're here today, so that's okay. <laughs> yes. Um, and it tastes like rhubarb, but not as tart. Yes. And, um, and I'm sure I got rhubarb crowns because I've looked on the internet. So I've never seen green rhubarb before. Sure. Well, uh, yeah, it is important to make sure you, you do use um, crowns because uh, you, then you get named varieties and things like that. Is yours growing in the sun or in the shade? It's it's in the sun, but um, our block up in Glen Forest is on the south side, so it's a bit shaded. So it gets sun probably most of the time directly overhead, so from probably 11 till 2 in the summer. Right. Um well, it's important because, yeah, rhubarb do need full sun. If it's too shady, then the leaves will kind of go green in order to photosynthesise. So full sun for those. Uh, it's also uh, probably a bit related to uh, nutrition as well. Um, so if, you, if you're if you applying too much like a nitrogenous fertiliser, um, then you're getting excessive growth out of it as well. So, yeah, um, pr- probably try and avoid that. But um, yeah, if they if they just stay green, like they can uh, revert and go back to green, and then long term they're not good. Right, because seems to be a bit purpley at the bottom of the leaf, that you know coming out of the soil, but the rest is green. Yeah, you have to be careful too, because if the leaves are too green, they are uh, they're not good for you. To they've got um, um, oh, it escapes me now. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. My yeah. son actually told me that. He sent me a link and said, don't kill yourself. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, what a loving son. That's really kind. <laughs> oh, well, good luck with it, Lynn. Thanks for the All call. Right. I'll get, a, get another one. Thank you. <laughs> 1300 720. I reckon we can fit in a few more calls uh, before we go to news. Uh, Steve is in Borragoon. Hello, Steve. How are you going? Good. good. Uh, look, I just had a question about giant pumpkins. So I'm thinking of, you know, trying to run a competition amongst the school group for a bit of fun. How well they grow in WA? Yes, they do, and uh, you can get specific giant pumpkin seeds, uh, which are just for the the purpose. They're not great eating, but um, they're good for size and making stuff out of. And um, so you really need to just hunt down. There are selective. Uh, seed suppliers that do uh, giant pumpkins. And, of course, you need to do it in the warm weather, so not this time of the year. Yeah, yeah, end of the year. All right, excellent. Thank you. Yeah. I'm trying to find... Thank you for the call, Steve. I'm trying to find the size of the pumpkin from uh, some of the recent competitions. Um, There's one on the ABC Great Southern Facebook page. 
uh, of one grown in Tasmania that was 1.8 metres wide and 1.2 metres high. Right. Um, and this Sorrel farmer described himself as an extreme grower and is on a mission to break Australia's record for the heaviest pumpkin. So that was on the 11th of March. But I know that there are, I mean, there's the Dwelling Up Pumpkin Festival and there's a few others that go on and you see some obscenely big pumpkins there. They're amazing. I don't even know how that guy got it in the back of his car. <laughs> That's you know. right. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's so huge. big. Crazy. Um, had a text from Jack... In the Perongrups, he said he's planted some sandpaper figs. Oh, very good, yeah. Yep, and they're doing really well, thanks to your advice. And we've got some more texts on 0437 922 720. Penny and Floriot said our lemon tree is losing leaves and the leaves are variegated. Oh, okay. Uh, and light green, almost yellow. Fruit skin very thick and sometimes dry and brown inside. What is going on? Right, all kinds of bad things going on here. If it's variegated, it's probably like a, not a natural variegation. It's probably a, a nutrient-induced uh, deficiency in the leaf. Um, I'm not sure whether that was in the ground or in a pot, but uh, repotting fixes 90% of the problems. If it's in a pot, a good quality potting mix, like I said before, um, and don't over-fertilise in a pot. You know, uh, We used to get people coming in and they said, oh, we've got this citrus in a pot. I planted handfuls and bucketfuls teaspoonfuls in a pot is all you need, you know, because people over-fertilise. If it's in the ground, probably too much of a, a good thing, you know. So you can actually do as much harm with over-fertilising as neglecting it. So a lot of the times uh, lemons and things like that, once they're established, they really don't need a lot of attention. You know, people mm. hover around them. You know, to make sure they get maximum lemons off them. but uh, Except for Jackson, he just yeah. neglects his. That's right. So yeah. he's the other end of the scale. Um, Judy on the text line, fruit from our quince tree. Any suggestion as to why the brown patches? Bleh. Yeah, wow. Okay, so they're half brown and soggy. Right. Okay, so that's could be a couple of things. Um, quinces like that, if they've got um, brown patches, uh, they've either been... Uh, pricked at some stage and the fruit flies um, got in there or they, there's like a fungal disease which tends to attack the, the fruit um, if they've been damaged at all. Usually it's a watering issue um, if it's too humid around them. Um, citrus also gets um, like, it's called brown spot where the, the fungal disease splashes on the fruit and that just forms on the tree. So uh, she'll have to remove those fruit, uh, clean it up um, use a, a copper-based spray and just watch out for fruit fly next time. All right. Sports Talk is coming up soon after 10 o'clock. Uh, today the panel's going to speak to GWS head coach Leon Cameron and they're going to speak to both the West Coast and Fremantle camp. So I can see Clint Wilton <laughs> faces at me through the producer's booth. So they're coming up soon. Let's sneak a few more in though, Mark. Sure. Um, I would love to. Interesting text on rhubarb. Pam has said, um, my stem is green and it tastes okay. And, and she survived because she's texting us. Yeah. And then Liz has gone on to ask, uh, when can I divide my plant grown from a crown? Uh, usually when the, the crowns get quite big. Uh, so after a few years, they get uh, big enough to be able to separate. And once you start to dig them up, you can actually see the bits that you can actually separate off and just snap off and just um, regrow.
Very good. Well, uh, Mark, we're nearly at news. It's been fantastic to have you in. Thank you for bringing sure. in all of the plants that we didn't get to talk about because we had so many calls. Um, who's in the corner over there, by the way? Oh, there's all kinds of things. Um, there's uh, Caprosma Golden Star, which is a new new job. Carex Feather Falls, which is a strappy leaf plant. It's just fantastic. And this one is the most exciting one. This is a York. York. Yeah, and you've heard of the York. So yeah, that's, because they're starting a farm to grow them down south. Yeah, really. Very good. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming in. I'm sure we'll hear you again in May when you join us again. Sure. See you. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listener.